Welcome to Season 7 of the Great Quotes for Coaches podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping coaches, teachers, and leaders of all types become their best through the use of quotes. I'm your host, Scott Rosberg. Each week, we'll discuss inspirational, impactful, and motivational quotes to help you become your best as you work to lead your teams to become their best. So make sure you've laced them up tight, you're focused on your target, and you're ready to dive in to today's great quotes for coaches. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome back to the Great Quotes for Coaches podcast. Up, oh, I said welcome back. I used to say that all the time, then I changed it because I don't know how many of you are brand new. So welcome if you're new. Welcome back to those of you who've been with us before. Today I am... Um, I, so last week I I told you uh, I'm going to be I'm going to start talking about my team's core covenants, uh, the values that uh, the, the players in our program and the coaches have decided to uh, work to you know instill in our program and live by. But I'm going to hold off on that because we're not we aren't having that, that those discussions just yet. Um, we are. Uh, we're going to be doing that starting later this week. Um, today is Monday, November 20th. And so later this week, we'll be doing that because, um, actually today is the toughest day that any coach of a team sport, uh, with enough kids where you have to make cuts, it's the toughest day that a coach has to do. That's what we'll be doing today, this afternoon. So our mind is kind of, you know, kind of focused on that and kind of preparing for that. And of course, that's never a fun thing. Um, I've said for years, it's the worst feeling thing that we do. Uh, actually what I've said is it's the worst thing we do and the best thing we do. Well, I don't mean it's the best thing we do, but it's one of the things that you must do when you have large numbers that come out for your teams. It's one of the things you must do to create the best experience possible for your teams. And, um, and uh, it's unfortunate. You have to tell tell kids they're no longer going to be part of your program. It's uh, not easy. There's usually or often tears. Uh, there can be some contentiousness sometimes. You know, some some kids can be downright upset. You might get a parent call, um, and those are are never fun. But you know, they're part of this experience that. Those of us who have teams where you just have to keep your numbers at a certain number, um, where you have to do this. And then the, the, the tough thing is when you end up cutting a kid who maybe has some ability, has some, you know, could, could be a player, could, might be better than some of the other players in terms of physical abilities and, and sometimes skills, but the attitude and the effort and the, the coachability and all those types of things aren't there. And so that becomes a tough one, but it also becomes, and that's when I would say it's also the best thing we do because that is something you do. You know, you sometimes get rid of that player. If you have worked with that player and tried your hardest to do all you can you know, to bring that player along, get them that player into the fold and understanding this is about all of us, not just you and whatever else. Uh, if they, if they, you can't get them on board by squad selection day, which for us is today, you know, then you have to let that player go. And, uh, that's, yeah, that's a really tough discussion because you, you're going to be hearing from that player, 
you know, why that player feels, you know, he or she is better than others. And you can tell them, yes, yeah, physically you are. But the, the things that you're bringing right now in terms of how you behave, how you're handling yourself, how uncoachable you are, whatever the issue is, you have to have that honest talk with them. And, but you also have to let them know ahead of time that this is coming. If we don't see, you know, that type, the, the proper kind of behavior, you have to let your whole team know. And sometimes you may have to work with, talk with that kid individually and then work with that kid individually over the course of time leading up to it. So, um, yeah, that can be, that can be quite difficult. Um, I, I'm fortunate that we don't really have, you know, much of that right now in our program. Uh, and so I'm not going to really, I mean, a little bit today maybe, but, uh, for the most part, it's, it's, uh, just the skills right now are behind other players, but it's still, it sucks. It's so hard to, to have to do this. And so, yeah, so a difficult time. Um, but, the, the reason I'm saying all that is because, so we haven't started our core covenants yet. You know, we, we've, we're waiting until we've picked the teams and probably waiting f- until later this week to really get into that. Probably, you know, Thanksgiving is Thursday. Uh, our, we, we've set our final cuts will be on, on by Wednesday, but we may, I think we've gotten to that point already. Uh, we will find out for sure, um, as the next couple days go on, but, um, but, it, you know, by Wednesday, we will have, have our team picked. And so we'll start really zeroing in on our core covenants and talking about those this coming weekend, probably. So what am I going to talk about today? Because I told you I was going to start working my way through that. Well, I have already started talking with the kids about the concepts of core covenants and what types of things that we want to see our kids doing and how, how they are handling themselves. And uh, I am in the middle of a book... Shocking, right? <laughs> How many times have you heard me say that on this podcast when I start reading from it? Uh, that's what I'm going to do today because I am in the middle of a book that my daughter Maggie gave me uh, for my birthday left a few weeks ago. And it is the most, um, oh, I shouldn't say most, but it is certainly, a, a, I don't even want to say a strange source, a source that I would not have believed I would have been reading from. Not that I don't like this guy. I've always liked this guy. But I thought when I heard he had a book coming out, okay, here here we go, another one of these kind of things, you know. But I saw him on uh, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, and ironically, my, my daughter, my stepdaughter Maggie, saw him on Jimmy Kimmel the night before, I think. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Arnold has a new book out called Be Useful, Seven Tools for Life. And so she gave me this book, thinking I would like it, because I used to, when she was a, a little kid, Arnold was very big and popular, and then he became go- governor of California. She got a little older, and he was, you know, big and popular in those ways. And so she just thought I might, I might like it, and uh, she was so right. I, um, I started, I picked it, I started reading it, and you know, I, I'm always telling you, well, I have a stack of books and all, and so I'm trying to work my way through a stack, and all of a sudden she puts this other. Uh, what, 300-page book? 200 and, what am I going to see here? 256 or 7, somewhere in that page book uh, on my stack. And I just picked, started reading it. I picked open the first chapter and started reading it. It's easy read. And I'm just loving it. There's so many great things in it already. And uh, and so, anyway, uh, I'm going to, I started reading what I'm going to read for you today. I started reading to my team last week 
because it's so good and it's fitting right in line with some of the things we are going to be talking about with our core covenants starting later in the week. Um, I might not even get to our core covenants until next week because I keep reading this and going, oh, the kids got to hear this. Oh, the kids got to hear this. Okay. So today, uh, I'm, and we're already eight and a half minutes into this, uh, I'm going to have to have to swear. I'm sorry. Uh, but that's the title of chapter three. Um, is what I'm going to focus on this chap in this chapter, and I'm not sure if I'll get to all of this chapter. Well, I won't get to all of it today, so um, I'm going to work my way through it over the next couple of episodes, probably, or at the very least this episode, and then I'll get to our core covenants with you next week, or we'll push back the core covenants till the week after. Uh, but this is really good, and so I'm going to read you some quotes that. These aren't like famous quotes or anything, other than some that he may have quoted people on. These are just great ideas and concepts in his book, Be Useful, Seven Tools for Life. Go in the show notes and you can, you know, click on that and you can uh, get right get right to Amazon. Hey, what a great time to get it. Uh, it is Black Friday time, right? Get this for, get this for your, the coach in your life if you're not the coach in your life or you have other coaches in your life. But it doesn't have to be any coach. It's just for useful tools for anyone in life all right anyway chapter three is called work your ass off okay with the boys i told them i'm not going to swear so you know i i augment some of the words the best i can when he has you know he occasionally swears in here okay a little more than occasionally swears so i'm just going to read you some things that i read to my boys the other the other day if there is one unavoidable truth in this world it's that there is no substitute for putting in the work There is no shortcut or growth hack or magic pill that can get you around the hard work of doing your job well, of winning something you care about, or of making your dreams come true. People have tried to cut corners and skip steps in this process for as long as hard work has been hard. Eventually, those people either fall behind or get left in our dust, because working your ass off is the only thing that works 100% of the time for 100% of the things worth achieving. What a great message, right? And I'm sure we've all heard the concept before in other words from other people. But here's another guy able to talk about how, you know, hard work is the key to our, is a key to our success. And there's no getting around it. He then talks about, um, you know, trying to become, you know, for people who would like to get become wealthy. You know, and he, he goes through some paragraphs on that. And then he says this, which, uh, I, again, I read this to our kids. If you don't get to experience what it feels like to push yourself, to do more than you thought you were capable of, and to know that the pain you put yourself through will lead to growth that you alone are responsible for creating, then you will never appreciate what you have, what you have, the way that this, the way that same thing is appreciated by someone who earned it, who worked for it. And I love this. If you don't have to work hard for something and experience the pain that you go through, but also then the growth that you get from that, if you just are given things, then you're never going to appreciate it the same way somebody who had to work hard for it appreciates it. And I'm sure many of you coaches, many of you people are, are just thinking, yes, that is so true. You know, we tell that, we talk to kids about that all the time. For some kids, things just come naturally. Their talent, they, they just, they're a little, they're, they're physically bigger, faster, stronger. So it comes a little easier to them. And they don't have, some of them then choose not to work as hard 
as the kid who are next to them. It drives me nuts to hear players talk about, uh, quit being a tryhard. Are you kidding me? That's exactly what we want every kid to be, is a tryhard. And we really want those really talented players to be tryhards because they are going to become something special if they do. Instead, far too many of them have the attitude, I'm good, and I I know it, and I don't have to try hard. Therefore, I won't. Oh, my gosh. They are missing the whole point, and they will never be as good as they, they could potentially be. Arnold goes on to say, work works. That's the bottom line. No matter what you do, no matter who you are, my entire life has been shaped by that single idea. And then he talks about, and throughout the book, he talks about the three areas of his life where he had his greatest success. And, and it's interesting. This, is, this guy is a focused guy. A lot, of them, a lot of people think he was just a, you know, a bodybuilding meathead. He was not. He is a really sharp dude. And from the time he was a little kid, when he first saw Reg Park on the cover of, of Muscle Types of Magazines, um, Reg Park, a, a British bodybuilder. Actually, I think he first saw him in the Tarzan movies, and then he'd see him on these magazines. It was Tarzan or whatever kind of movie where he's got his shirt off and he's all, you know, he's doing whatever he was doing in those movies. Arnold was like, I want to be that guy. And how do I get to be that guy? And so his first focus was, okay, I, I want to become the greatest bodybuilder ever. Then his next focus became, I want to become a leading man action movie star. Okay, where people thought, You're, that's ridiculous. And the governor of California thing didn't come till later. But he started realizing, I want to do more than just be uh, you know, a hunk of meat in, in movies and, and all that kind of thing. Uh, I want to make a difference. And that's when he became, worked to become governor of California. This guy had singular focus, singular purpose. And did those things that he needed to do to get there. Listen to what he did bodybuilding. He said, in my quest to become the greatest bodybuilder ever, I trained five hours a day for 15 years. When I got to America, I took my workouts up a level and invented the double split, where I trained two and a half hours in the morning and two and a half hours in the evening, just so I could get two full workouts in each day. And then he talks about how he needed a couple of different uh, workout partners, um, you know, one in the morning, one in the afternoon or evening. Because nobody else would work with him both times. It was just too much, you know. But he had he had focus. He said he pushed 40,000 pounds, somewhere in that average, every workout. <laughs> no wonder he became as big as he did, right? He said, but I loved all the reps. I wanted all the pain, okay? He wanted to go through that because he knew that that was the only way he was going to achieve his first dream, to become the greatest bodybuilder ever. He says, the purpose of all this hard work, all the reps, all the pain, all the follow-through, all the long hours, was the same in every phase of my career. So then he talked about you know bodybuilding, movies, and you know, governor. He says, the purpose is to be prepared. It's to be ready to perform when the spotlight turns on, when opportunity knocks, when the cameras roll, when a crisis arrives, there is value and meaning in doing hard work for its own sake. Don't get me wrong. But the real reason is so that when the moment arrives for your dream to come true and for your vision to become real, you don't flinch and you don't falter. Early in the book, he, earlier in the book, he talked about having vision. It's where it all starts. And so that's what he's saying. So he had this vision and he's telling us if you have a vision of what you want to be, 
right? The first and in some ways only way it's going to happen is if you work hard and you go, you embrace the pain that you're going to go through, okay? The second section is called reps, reps, reps. This is what I'm going to be working my way through tonight with my boys, okay? And then, so then he talks about from his earliest bodybuilding days how putting in the reps was the key, okay? Not just putting them in, but tracking them, focusing on them, okay? And so, you know, making sure he wrote everything down. And then we became a movie, you know, an actor, okay? He was focused on, on his scripts and doing everything he could to get nail every line in his movies and how often, how detailed he was in that. You know, um, it's kind of funny some of the things he says about doing that, especially with his accent, his heavy Austrian accent and the things that he did to try and eliminate that. And then the same thing when he was, you know, governor of California, putting in the reps, okay? And he goes on to say this, and this is what I'll be reading to my boys. The key is they have to be good reps, not lazy, distracted, arched back, noodle arm, BS reps. You have to use proper form. You have to complete the entire exercise. You have to give maximum effort. He says this concept of, he says, remember when Sean, then Sean, it was a, it's a Austrian phrase. He says, it doesn't matter if we're talking about a deadlift, a press conference, a run-through of an entire speech. You need to be all there, all in, every time. We'll be back after a quick break. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. The whole point of doing lots of reps is to give you a base that makes you stronger and more resistant to silly, unfortunate mistakes, whatever that means for you. And, and I'm just working my, th- my way through quotes that I've highlighted here, okay? He says, if you half-ass your reps and you, ha- and you fail to pay attention to the details, the base you're building will be unstable and unreliable. Oh my gosh, that is so true. I have players through the years who I have coached and I have some in the gym that I, you know, so right now that as they were younger players, they didn't want to do everything the way we were teaching full go, you know, kind of zero in on, on doing it the exact right way. Every time they kind of half, you know, heartedly went through it. And, uh, because they figured they already had it, they don't need this. And this is one of the things I have been trying to really uh, focus on with my team, actually with my teams for the last through the last through year few years, uh, both boys and girls, that you have to focus on these reps because otherwise your skills, the the foundation that you have, is not going to be able to carry you through when you get to the tougher levels. And I've seen it happen time and time again. 
where guys or girls feel, I've got this thing down. I don't need to keep working on this left-handed thing. I got some some of this down. Or I don't need to keep doing this skill the same way, right? I'm already past this. And especially with, with boys who want to do fancy moves and things like that. And they don't have the original moves down pat first. They think they do, but they don't. And then all of a sudden they get into you know, higher level competition against players who have all of their skills down and plus are talented and athletic and, and all, and they get their butts kicked. They can't compete. And this is what I'm trying to impress upon my boys this year at the, at the high school level, varsity level, but all, all levels of high school, as well as the girls I coach in the middle school, that you cannot cheat this. You have to always work these skills and work them hard. Okay. And then I love that Arnold talks about John Coltrane. Coltrane is considered one of the greatest improvisational jazz musicians of all times. And he talks about his style and things that he'd done. He said, Coltrane practiced constantly. Another saxophonist from his era said Coltrane practiced 25 hours a day. He would regularly play through the entire 256-page thesaurus of scales and melodic patterns which is the musical equivalent of watching someone like Bruce Lee do wax on, wax off, and paint the fence for 18 hours. There are stories of Coltrane practicing a single note for 10 hours straight to get the tone and the volume exactly perfect. What he practiced in private and what he played in public seemed like they weren't even the same art form, but they were intimately connected because what he would do is he would take all of that that boring mundane practice and then he'd get out and play and he would he would let it just flow he didn't have to think about it it says here it was all his practice of the fundamentals that made the improvisational music he played on stage seem like magic practice was rigid and structured predictable and boring his playing was free flooring free flowing and spontaneous and brilliant so he practices the way that we're supposed to in our sports practice, you got to get structured. You got to focus on doing this the right way so that when you get out to actually play, that's already there. That's a given. And now you can take that up a level and get a little improvisational and free flunk. Now, you want to do that in practice too, but you have to have your, your, your basics down. Uh, he says, it was, it was like he didn't even have to think about the notes, which he didn't because he couldn't. If his improv- improvisational style was going to mesh with the styles of other of the other players on the stage, there couldn't be any delay. There were no precious seconds available to think. Like a paramedic at the scene of an accident or a firefighter in a crumbling building, a couple things he talked about earlier in the, in the book, he had to know what to do, where to go, and what move to make in the moment. Okay, well, the only way that you can do that is to have the basics down. Then Arnold says, if you're a sports fan, that's very similar to what it's like watching the best footballers, basketball players, hockey players, and ski racers practice their craft and then perform on the biggest stages. There are hours and hours of monotonous shooting drills every week. There are miles of skating and skiing and running running focused on footwork, change of direction, balance, and shifting body weight. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of reps of dribbling and passing drills baked into every practice. Further on, he says, we have to embrace the boring stuff. We have to nail the fundamentals. We have to do them right, and we have to do them often. This is the only way we can build that strong base and all that muscle memory so that performing when it counts isn't a question. It's the easy part. 
Oh, man. Isn't that good? That is so good. And this is exactly the message that I've been wanting to, I've been impressing upon my kids. And I will be tonight as we go through this. That every day that we're in practice, we are trying to lay a foundation so that come game time, you can let it flow. And yes, I I need to let them have their flow and get that going in practice as well. But we can't just start with the flow. You have to start with the structure. You have to start with solid reps. You have to start with laying the base, the foundation of hard work, and then working through that consistently on a daily basis. Get your fundamentals nailed. Get those things right. Uh, when you do that, then the rest of it can, you know, be a whole lot. I, I guess I'll say, be a whole lot easier, you know. And then you can start to flow. So, gosh, I love this, and I'm so glad I found this, and I'm reading it. Uh, I'm trying to stay a, a few steps ahead of my kids each day. So, uh, like the next couple chapters, the next one's on pain being temporary kind of thing. And oh, I can't remember the next one that I just read. Uh, but anyway, some really good things in here. So, I hope you're going to like this. This is a little diversion, but it's also a diversion I'm doing with my team. And I told you I'm going to be kind of going through some of the things I'm going to do with my team. So. Yeah, we'll be coming back uh, and hearing more from Arnold next week uh, as well, uh, and we'll see how how much, you know, how far we go with that. How many more episodes? As I said, we'll be starting to work through our core covenants too. But yeah, if, as long as there's good things in here, I'll, I want to talk about them. So, and maybe I'll just do a little bit more next week and then move on from that uh, and sprinkle in things later on. We'll see. Um, and also to all of you here in America, happy Thanksgiving. That's this coming thir- Thursday. Uh, and what a great time for us all to be thankful and, and you know, focus on, on our gratitude and how thankful we are for, uh, for all the good things that we have in life. So enjoy your time with your families and your friends and, uh, you know, eat well. I think we're all, we all enjoy that part of this as well, but, uh, yeah, enjoy that, uh, that special time here in, in America. And for those of you not in our country, you too. You know, hopefully, uh, you know, you could celebrate a, a day like that too uh, and, and that, that focuses on the gratitude and thankfulness you have for the people and things in your life. So, so happy Thanksgiving. And uh, yeah, come back next week to see what we have from Arnold on the Great Quotes for Coaches podcast. And I'll talk to you then. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review and then subscribe to the podcast. Ratings and reviews and subscriptions are really helpful in getting more ears and more listeners getting a chance to hear podcasts. What we want to do is spread the messages of hope and inspiration from these great quotes to as many coaches, teachers, parents, and leaders of all types as possible. Also, check out our Slam Dunk Success site at slamdunksuccess.com and the Slam Dunk Success YouTube channel where we have much more for you to help you on your road and your journey to success. I look forward to serving you again next time with another great quote for coaches.